Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Run Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're talking about Room 13 and Nightmare Stairs by Robert Swindles. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so as usual, check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good to be back. We haven't recorded in a little while. No, it's, it's been a, it's been a month. Uh, my beard has grown long and haggard. <laughs> um, uh, mine is um, still paltry. I'm oh, po- not not paltry. Um, a chicken beard. The <laughs> worst thing. Ugh, no, that sounds horrible. Um, um, but we're back to talk about. Room 13 and Nightmare Stairs, a little bit. Mostly Room 13, I think, because it's more horror. Okay, okay. I I will admit, I hadn't read Nightmare Stairs, and I had assumed that given the name, it would be a horror. Uh, Yeah. Nightmare Stairs. (laughs) Um, It's it's called that because the character has a recurring nightmare about some stairs. So, (laughs) to be fair, the stairs themselves aren't that nightmarish. No. Like, I was sort of expecting, you know, really kooky, slanted angle staircase, um, you know, maybe some steps bigger than others, uh, perhaps spiracular, um, maybe painted an unusual colour. That's the kind of thing I wanted. But um, mm. actually, it's ordinary stairs in a nightmare, but that's not a very good book title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I hadn't read either of these. Had you read any um, any Robert Swindles? No, no, I hadn't. Um, I heard of them, uh, but I hadn't read any. Uh, but I mentioned um, I mentioned my podcast as I do <laughs> to uh, my D and D group uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm getting cooler by the minute. What, and, what, what, uh, what was this were... in the in, in the middle of some climactic battery? Like, uh, hang on, <laughs> hang on, guys, uh, just check. You are listening to my podcast. <laughs> no, we're fighting this dire wolf, Ren. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I will help you with this, uh, with this battle if you if you if you all promise you that you're listening to my podcast. If you answer me these questions free, have you listened to my podcast? Have you listened to my podcast? Have you listened to my podcast? <laughs> um. But yes, uh, one of them was uh, said, oh, oh, you should do that book about Dracula living in a hotel in Whitby. Um, so um, shout out to Zoe. Uh, because, yeah, here we are. Well, as long as there isn't another book about Dracula living in a hotel in Whitby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
mean, I, I asked Pete, um, Pete hadn't read, read any either. I asked him and he said, oh, it sounds like a swindle. Uh, his propensity for puns, uh, having put him off reading any of the guy's books, um, <laughs> seemed a bit unfair to me. But um, I, I had. I, so as a kid, um, I read a few Robert Swindle's books. I read mm-hmm. um, Brother and the Land, um, which was probably the first kind of post-apocalyptic book mm. I'd read and is very focused on... Um, the relationship between these two brothers and an older brother uh, trying to look out for their younger brother while they slowly die of radiation poisoning. Mm. Um, and having a younger brother, I guess, you know, I, I could sort of imagine this situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a gender, not wholly gender flipped. Anyway, it's, it's kind of a little bit like Grave of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in its relentless bleakness, it, it's not as as pretty um, or uh, uh, as as lovable, perhaps. But uh, yeah, anyway, that one really stayed with me. I've had it quite harrowing, and I also read Stone Cold from nineteen ninety three, um, which is a very disturbing book um, for slightly older readers, I'd say, than the ones we're looking at. Mm. Um, and it's told a tale told from two perspectives um so one chapter is told from the perspective of uh, a young homeless person and then mm. the next every other chapter is told from the perspective of a kind of vigilante or self-appointed vigilante serial killer who turns out to be murdering homeless people and uh, inevitably their two paths kind of horrifically collide and yeah it's a really nasty work to be honest you know it it's describes experiences of being young and homeless i think very convincingly uh and with Mm. a great deal of compassion um but it doesn't skimp out on the bleakness it's a pretty rough time that book um Mm. and, and probably kind of the darkest thing i really read as a kid um, mm-hmm. I mean, I did read all of it because it's not so much scary as just horrifying. Like, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's very much rooted in reality. Um, so it's just a really kind of grim and upsetting book. Um, and I think it really stayed with me. I, I think perhaps one of the reasons, you know, I, I, I tend to have quite a lot of homeless friends and, you know, I, I find it just all but impossible to just ignore people who are homeless or on the streets. And I, I do wonder if that book is somewhat the reason why, um, mm. because it really brings home the potential vulnerabilities of being in that situation. So it's, it's a very powerful book, and in a sense I'd recommend it. But, uh, yeah, it's really heavy going for a young audience, I'd say. Mm. Um and I, I, I mean, yeah, remember a couple of others like Daz for Zoe and Inside the Worm. I mean, uh, compared, uh, Room 13 is, um, a bit of a lark, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is. I mean, uh, these are for a slightly younger audience and, uh, a bit more fun, uh, really, than the swindles I'd read. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is possibly better for this podcast, really. Like, uh, I think I would struggle making jokes, to be honest, when talking about Stone Cold. Mm. It really is quite bleak. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Room 13 is uh, from 1989, um, which you can tell by the kids dancing to Madonna at the disco. And I'm sure, also, no, the kids still dance to Madonna, don't they? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> information not found um, but also by the, the cavalier way in which um, a teacher grabs a disobedient boy by his hair and sort of yanks him around <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that, that might not fly these days but then again Swindles was a teacher so maybe it was just wish fulfilment <laughs> oh I hadn't thought of that yeah <laughs> um it's also another instalment in the theme of sinister things in British seaside hotels. Oh, yeah. Gosh, we really are going all out on that theme. Mm-hmm. It's good Once we, when we make the uh, thematic collections of our, of our podcast. That will be one strand. Oh, you're right. That is what the cool kids do, isn't it? Like, evolution yeah. of horror, that's cool. Like, you know, the folk horror and the zombie. So we'd have, like... The well, texture. I mean, that would be all of them. Um, <laughs> the 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 hotel, uh, the ones in which Adam and Wren make obscure nineties comedy references. None of the listeners appreciate. Mm. Um, that's again probably most most of them. Um, where else have we covered houses? <laughs> houses. Houses. Yeah. Yeah. Weird houses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like nightmare stairs, although, again, <laughs> not as weird, um, not as weird as I think. Mm. Um, according to the dedication at the front of the book, uh, Room 13 was inspired by a real school trip to Whitby by year two from Mandale Middle School in Bradford, 1987, uh, which was a real school. It's now closed. Is it? Is, uh, do you know if it's a school Swindles worked at? Um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't find any more information. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, that would make sense, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it'd be quite odd if, like, it was just like a random school trip that I don't know he observed while staying in Whitby, and was like. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense if this, this was a school he worked at. Yeah, so maybe it's his students he's dedicated the story to. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense than me. Well, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, I thought, like, there was some mystery of, like, a middle school going to going to Whitby and meeting a vampire. What? So, so you... You thought this book was definitely based on real <laughs> events, basically. Well, I thought that's what it was implying. Oh, okay. I, I, I said, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's all part all part of the rich fictional tapestry. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, drawn from real events. <laughs> yes. Whether they are uh, a Dracula in a hotel room or just... The experience of, of Whitby taking thirteen-year-olds to Whitby. Yeah. Um, uh, so our protagonist is Fliss, who is about thirteen years old and going on a class trip away to Whitby. Uh, the night before she leaves, she has a foreboding and rhyming dream <laughs> about her feet leading her against her will to a sinister house 
And it says she goes past the gate of fate and the keep of sleep. And she goes over the threshold of room 13, which is the room of doom. Really, really does feel um, like we're continuing this D&D theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be straight out of Nightmare on TV. <laughs> uh, and in this room, she sees a shape in a box and smells damp earth. And the voice tells her she's seeing the bed of dread. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so uh, Fliss is pretty freaked out uh, but when morning comes she decides to get over her fear and go on the trip anyway um, and um, on the coach to Whitby we meet uh, Fliss's best friend Lisa Gary Bazard who's a, a loudmouth boy <laughs> who starts talking about Dracula living in Whitby that's a great name and <laughs> yeah and ellie may who uh, is a student that no one really likes very much when the, the coach starts for a toilet break and Felicia's friend lisa uncharacteristically breaks the rules and goes to the shop to buy a novelty torch in the shape of a dragon uh, when fliss asks her why she did it she says it's as though my feet were going by themselves and this will be important later <laughs> yeah the dark powers of consumerism uh-huh. uh-huh. Um so they arrive at the uh the Crow's Nest Hotel in Whitby to find that it has the same image of the bird on the gate that Fliss saw in her dream. Which also rather neatly, um do you have this in your Kindle edition, the chapter headings? Yes. Yeah, so the gate of the hotel um, forms each chapter heading and uh, you have the number and then within the gate is a different picture, uh, Mm -hmm. like representing what's going to happen in that chapter. Um, And then for room 13, the chapter itself is wholly blank. Yes. I mean, did you notice, was it it wholly blank to you? Oh oh my gosh, what? (laughs) <laughs> well well why well, do i have well, to hold I mean, this it, up to the light or like uh yeah well it, mine was blank so we'll see it's it's an, it's an unreal edition okay, but, I, well, but zoe was saying that her edition when she was a kid yeah had like it looked blank at first but it was like glow in the dark what glow in the dark writing saying something that's amazing yeah I've misplaced my copy. I can't do it right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In fact, I was just trying to do it with my edition of Nightmare Stairs, which of course didn't work. (laughs) Um, Um, Although it did give me a sort of jolt of amazement because opening up Nightmare Stairs, I turned to chapter 13 and obviously there was writing on the page. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Um. Magical ink. Mm. But no, no, I just I mislaid it somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> that that is that's fine. Um, we break with tradition and do a very early texture of the week. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've got a, a oh. comb right here. Brilliant. Um, texture. Texture. Texture of the week. Of the week. Um, because I just talked about the gate and my texture of the week 
is the gate. <laughs> so, is is, is, I, is I, the I, gate a texture? <laughs> hey, hang on, Adam. Okay, sorry. Uh, let sorry, me okay. let me read. Yeah, ab- let me okay, read. Absolutely. <laughs> she came to a gate. It was made of iron, worked into curly patterns. Near the top was a bit that was supposed to be a bird in flight, a seagull perhaps. But the gate had been painted black, and the paint had run and hardened into little stalactites along the bird's wings, making it look like a bat. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. A little paint <laughs> like stalactites. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 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 mine was um, the stick of rock. Oh, oh so, yes, of course. Uh, I think... Spoiler warning, but we already know uh, this is a Dracula story, and I think um, this is foregrounded enough that, I mean, I, I kind of guessed where it was heading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but is it Gary who has the rock? Um, yes, I believe so. Anyway, one of the boys has this it buys this big stick of rock and they kind of slip it into their trouser leg uh, in order to hide it from the teachers and smuggle it back into their bedroom to kind of, you know, gnaw upon in bed, basically. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, young boys are disgusting and sticky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, throughout, throughout the book, uh, his gnawing and licking uh, <laughs> sharpens <laughs> the tip. <laughs> of the rock uh, until it is usable as a steak a candy cane steak to plunge into the heart of Dracula that's so good I love it so much so I I very much like the idea of uh, plunging a big stick of rock uh, into a body yeah (laughs) Uh, and then I don't know like presumably I mean it would shatter but I don't know presumably it's it's all shattered into the body and all all, all the glucose and the blood is all mixed together and it's all Mm. sort of yeah sort of sitting there you've got there's a blood dripping down the the candy and then licking it all off and stuff blood and peppermint and boy saliva yeah yeah so all of that all of that was my texture Mm. great yeah, wonderful. It, it was like um, it was like the most illogical adventure game puzzle ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, it's so good. I'm very very into this. Um, I've been I've been just telling people about it. Like, oh, I've just been reading this book where they stake Dracula with a sharpened piece of seaside rock. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that was my favourite bit too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I also did used to do that, but not state Dracula, but I, I did used to suck pieces of rock until a very sharp point. Oh, did you? Yes, until they hurt my hurt my tongue. Is that uh, is that why you did it as a? No, no, I just of, just enjoyed it. Not a self punishing. <laughs> if it was me as a no. kid, that's probably why. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not you. Who would have been Catholic <laughs> killed? You know. Um, no, but but so I. I had a thorough enjoyment of that yeah. whole idea. Yeah. Um, and I bet Dracula didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. You know, he spent all this time being like, right, I've got, I've got to be on the lookout for wooden stakes. But, uh, uh-huh. but, but then, you know, boy comes in with a stick of rock. He's like, it's fine. It's a stick of rock. What's that going to do? And then suddenly, oh my God, my heart. <laughs> How did that possibly happen? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know if um, 
are sticks of rock a particularly British thing? Um, I don't. Maybe calling it rock is. I mean, yeah, I'm, it's just like a candy cane, but you don't. It doesn't have a hook for hanging on things. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a stick of candy, and often there's a a word or a picture running all the way through it. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, like. I don't know. Blackpool. Black, yeah. <laughs> Blackpool running all the way through it, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, because if, if our podcast statistics are correct, we have we have a number of international listeners um, who... We don't need to specify uh, numbers, but it's a number. Yeah, yeah, a number. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Are you sure this isn't the claim of the week? <laughs> I think this might be claim my claim of, of the week. week. I, a number uh, of international <laughs> A number of people not from our benighted island are listening to this podcast. <laughs> or beleaguered island, as it, beleaguered as it island. very much is. Yes. Um uh... <laughs> right, so, well, they've gone on the coach. Do you have any, any particular childhood coach memories? I mean, I was very travel sick as a kid, so... Oh, well, yeah, me too. Yeah, I hate My it. particular coach memory is uh, throwing up all over myself and all the other kids having to file off the coach past me with my skirt covered in sick, so... That's all, yeah, that's, that's awful, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, coaches were never that fun, were they? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we didn't. Luckily, we didn't get any uh, vivid descriptions of coach sick on in this book. No, um, no, but you have now lovingly provided one uh, for, for our <laughs> listeners, <laughs> just in case you were worried of missing out. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so they get to the hotel. When you get to the hotel, there's this there's this ominous gate with its stalactites of um of paint. Um they um Fliss notices an unmarked room on her hallway. Mm. Um And the teacher says, Oh it's just a linen closet probably. Yeah, it's just a yeah, it's just a cupboard or something. But um that night Fliss is lying awake um when she hears a sort of whimpering crying noise. <laughs> And at first she thinks it's from the, the next door room, but then she realises it's coming from behind the unmarked door. And when she goes into the corridor to look at it, she sees the number 13 on the door that wasn't there before. Uh, the next day, the kids all go for a walk and Ellie Mae drops behind, uh, feeling sick and dizzy. Um, another boy, David Trotter, says that he saw her creeping about in the middle of the night uh, but Ellie May claims that she was asleep all night. But he knows what pyjamas she was wearing. Uh, yes. And so, you know, Ellie May says, oh, you must have been creeping around, like, you know, looking at the girls in our bedroom. But uh, mm. it, you know, it seems she might have been sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. As my, bro- um. as my brother used to do. I might have mentioned oh, it yeah. before. But, yeah, yeah amazing at sleepwalking as a kid um he'd sort of walk very fast up and down um the landing upstairs in our house and uh would sort of repeat things to himself like one two three four five one two three four five one two three four five <laughs> um and when he he really got into gaming you know when he was sort of 
I don't know, eight or so. Um, remember he spent hours and hours playing Ocarina of Time, like first thing in the morning, he'd go downstairs and turn on the N64 and just play it all day. And uh, mm. he actually must have been having this dream where he was in Ocarina <laughs> of Time because I honestly um, remember him, you know, in a sort of trance, like waving his arm about and saying, I'll help you, Link, I'll help you, Link. <laughs> Yeah, he, you know, he says he doesn't really remember it, obviously. But um, yeah, it was quite, it was quite a scary thing to witness, really. Um, mm. I, yeah. Um, do you ever, ever have you ever slept walk? No, I've never, I've never encountered it either. Oh. So. Um, I've seen someone sleeping with their eyes open, and that was creepy enough to me. Oh, honest. Peter can do that. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pete's one of the worst people to sleep next to in a bed, frankly. Like, it's it's really bad. Like, you know, he'll just wake up suddenly in the middle of the night. I think he some. I think he you know must have some kind of um, problem with breathing when he's asleep. Maybe. Hmm. Um, is it sleep athena? Apnea. Yeah, I do wonder if he suffers from that because suddenly he'll just sit up really suddenly and go <gasps> like. Sit up really straight. It's, yeah, oh, really scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they uh, Fliss starts to believe that Ellie May was in the cupboard at night and um, gathers Lisa and uh, Trot. It's a cool nickname for David Trotter and uh, <laughs> Gary to join her. Um, so. They meet on the landing at half eleven and uh, they all see the number 13 materialise on the door. Um, which um, I thought I would just read the description of. Sure. As Gary whispered zero, they heard the town clock chime, then strike. At about the fourth stroke, they noticed a small shapeless mark on the door and Lisa moved the torch slightly to get it in the centre of her beam. It was like a stain, lighter than the surrounding woodwork. As stroke followed stroke, the stain seemed to shrink and become paler, and then to divide, becoming two whitish blobs whose shapes altered, until by the twelfth stroke they formed the figures one and three. As the echo died, they heard a door close somewhere below. Hmm. So, the number has formed on the door, um, and they see Ellie Mae um, sleepwalking, seemingly towards room 13. Um... They, um, the four of them try to try to stop her, sort of physically restrain her, pin her to the floor, and she sort of still asleep, fights to get into the room. Uh, the teachers find them, but um, they end up deciding that um, Ellie Mae was sleepwalking and that the kids worried about her, so they don't get too too badly punished. Um, on their on their last day in Whitby, Fliss um, goes with Gary to the Dracula experience. Um, which is a sort of cheesy seaside sort of ghost train without the train kind of. <laughs> well, I'm sort of thing. imagining it like the London dungeons, but yeah, you know, much diddlier and cheaper. Hmm. Um. Yeah, a bargain at fifty p. Oh my um, god, that's great. I, I mean, this was nineteen eighty nine, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, it was one of those thick fifty p's. You remember? Yeah. Hmm. Hamburgers were a penny then. <laughs> uh, uh, Fliss uh, sort of panics when she's in this um, 
in this uh, exhibit and um, tries to escape, but she ends up in a backstage area with um, Sal Hagerlife, who um, who she'd seen outside the hotel at the bus stop, and people had said, "Oh, that's the mad woman." Um, but uh, Sal tells her about the history of the crow's nest and its inhabitant. Um, so the Dracula, who now occupies room thirteen used to live in a gatehouse at Whitby Abbey, preying on unsuspecting tourists. Um, But when the gatehouse was hit by shells in the First World War, he had to find a new place to live. He chooses the house that becomes the crow nest, uh, where Sal was a chambermaid at the time. The young daughter of the house falls sick and starts wasting away, and the doctor thinks she's been walking in her sleep. But then when her family take her away, she recovers instantly. The house stands empty, sort of having this aura of creepiness about it. Occasionally someone tries to live in it, but moves out soon. Uh, But then it becomes the hotel. And now Dracula has a coachload of visiting children each week (laughs) to... to, um, Snack upon. To snack upon to his heart's desire. Um, Sal somehow knows about Fliss's dream from the beginning of the story and tells her that she'll know what to do when the time comes. Um, and sort of throughout the the story, the um, these four kids have um, have been sort of finding or buying these these little pieces, bits and pieces. So Lisa had the torch, Gary had the stick of rock, Fliss found a big heavy stone, and then um, other and then, other uh, boy, other boy uh, buys a cheap plastic kite that breaks almost instantly, and there's just this this frame um and then there's this sort of great coming together of the kids various <laughs> knickknacks into a vampire fighting kit sort of in the style of lord of the rings like you have my axe um, and you have my bow sort of thing except it's you have the cross-shaped frame of my broken kite and my novelty dragon shaped torch <laughs> yeah. and my sticky piece of rock covered in bed fluff so um, yeah definitely more in the 90s and point-and-click adventure game style. Yeah. Um, and so the next night they uh, gather outside the hallway. When the, when it becomes room 13, they break inside. Lisa shines the torch in his eyes. Um, tr- uh, the trot holds the, the cross-shaped kite frame out and Gary brings the stick of rock to the vampire's chest and Fliss hammers it in with her big flat stone. Um, let's read the description of Dracula when they when they find him. Yeah, yeah, he's all he's all gnarled and, and ratty. Yeah, he is. He lay with his hands crossed on his breast and his eyes closed. He was thin and small and dirty. His face was dead white, except for a dark smudge on the forehead and a brown a brown crust about the bluish lips. A fleece of pale, tangled hair, grey with dust, covered the skull, falling onto the bed of earth which covered the bottom of the coffin. His fingernails were split and blackened, and a disgusting smell rose from the single filthy garment he wore, which looked like a nightshirt or shroud. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good good Nosferatu. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Um, I mean, that's sort of, you know, how you used to picture... The si- Murnau's silent film version, I think, or I, I kind of did. Mm. 
you know, all sort of sallow and spindly withered thing and, and withered and rat-like. Yeah. Dirt in the creases of his skin. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they, they struggle and they manage to, to drive this uh, peppermint-smelling steak <laughs> through his chest and uh, they spill out onto the hallway and for the teachers to teachers run up the stairs and find that the room is just a cupboard once again. And go, why are you kids? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, the story ends on the bus back with uh, Ellie Mae telling Felicity that uh, she knows what what they did for her and that she's uh, she, a she, witch. She finally. Hmm? I mean, how does she know? Well, yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a good question. <laughs> um, but yeah, that she's finally yeah. uh, free of Dracula and going to be, you know, a nice, well-adjusted kid from now on who has friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently um, their adventures continue. So really, uh, instead of uh, being led down the nightmare stairs uh, by its misrepresentative title um, we probably hmm. should have read Inside the Worm from 1994 oh, um, is that a sequel? which is a sequel um, oops sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so it, it, it set uh, the same school same kids uh, and they dress up as a giant worm and uh, <laughs> seemingly end up being possessed by the spirit of the giant worm. Oh my goodness. Okay, we'll have to come back to that. Yeah, well, we do have another, because we haven't done the um, sequel uh, to Intergalactic... To um, Inter- Interstellar, Interstellar Pig. Pig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was requested as well in one of our one of our, the emails we got. Right, okay. So maybe we could have a, a sequel. Um, a sequel episode, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Because it sounds quite fun. Um, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, did you enjoy this? I did, yes. Um, it was... Um, yes, it was lively and uh, full of um, slightly odd slang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite example was um, <laughs> someone saying... She's chuffed to little mint balls. <laughs> that is quite odd. <laughs> yeah, to mean she's pleased. I mean, because that's what chuffed means. Yeah. I don't know that the little the little mint balls are there for, but yeah, <laughs> right. I enjoyed that. It's um, yeah, it's a uh, set in uh, well, the kids are kids are from Bradford, so um, some sort of northern slang yeah i think all of swindle's stuff i mean he was born in bradford mm. uh, so is he a yorkshire man mm-hmm. or yorkshireman um as people <laughs> say um <laughs> it didn't have a brass band in it though so no it didn't have a brass band um but yeah i do think um that he has I don't know that that the, there is something quite northern about mm-hmm. his books, like yeah, um, and they're in, enjoyably no nonsense in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know, I kind of like the fact. Like I wouldn't exactly, I wouldn't go as far as saying that 
these the girls who are protagonists in these two books they're not mean exactly but mm. they're not super lovely or likable either <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know they're quite snarky mm. oh yes it's interesting yeah we've um we've chosen ones with um a lot of main female characters yeah that's um, true yeah um but yeah, they are. They remind me a little bit of um, Diana Wynne Jones's characters, mm, who are yeah. also pretty no nonsense. Which <laughs> <laughs> um, I think works quite well when you've got kind of characters encountering supernatural events. <laughs> like, yeah, something quite enjoyable about characters being like, "Oh, this is annoying. Oh, I better get on with it," rather than mm-hmm. just sort of being, you know in a constant state of fear or astonishment. I quite, I quite, I mean, you know, uh, they do a good job. They defeat Dracula. That's pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah. better than I would have managed at 13, that's for sure. Mm. I don't think I would have yeah. even dared go in the Dracula experience, let alone face the real Dracula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, so I've downloaded, I, I was trying to find a, PDF of uh, this book for the quotes, but uh, instead I seem to have downloaded um, a teaching guide. Um, okay. To room thirteen. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's all um, formatted in Comic Sans, um, uh-huh. li- li- like all good teaching guides. Um, yeah. So we, we've got stuff about the national curriculum objectives. Um, uh, get, getting in the mood. Uh, you're saying that uh, reading this book to pupils, you should probably adjust the lighting uh, and add Ooh. sound effects, uh, which is what I sort of try to do with the podcast, although uh, lighting is something that you as a listener will have to uh, adjust for yourself, really. Mm. Um, so if you have a dimmer, use that. Um, or l- listen to our podcast while walking in the woods. Mm. Uh, as... Um as uh, sometime guest Alex is uh, known to do. Uh, oh. yeah. but, but not while crossing the road, because you shouldn't listen to things while you're crossing. My mum, after I got hit by the car, you know, like a few weeks back, my mum my, my mm. keeps reminding me to, you know, take off my headphones when I'm crossing the road. So um, saying that to all of you as well. Mm. Uh, listen to cars. Um, oh, gosh, that, that's, that's ambitious. Hot seating uh, activity. So uh, you get the pupils to play one of the characters, and they have to answer questions. Um, I don't. I don't know if you'd want to. Want to. No, no. Yeah, go go for it. Try me. Okay. Okay. Which which, which character do you want to be? Um. Dracula. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I'll be Gary. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, all right, Gary. All right. Uh, h- how do you feel about Kirsty then? Um, she's in a different book, so I don't know her. Oh, that very good. I'm trying to catch <laughs> ca- ca- catch you out, Gary. Um, that different plane of existence. Okay. H- how do you <laughs> how how do you feel about Fliss? Oh, I mean, she's a girl, isn't it? Um, she's all right. Like. Uh, she she came in the Dracula experience with me. I didn't th- I don't think she would. You know, I thought she was too chicken. But uh, 
I mean, she was too chicken. She ran away. Uh, but you know, she's all right, I guess. So, so you do, you, you like the you like the Dracula experience, Gary? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't scary enough. Like, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be scared, but it, yeah, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, like you know, even the real Dracula wasn't that scary. You know, is that true? Really? Like the, oh, the actual Dracula wasn't scary. No, no, no. It's fine, you know. Like, yeah, we, we just, you know, we just got on with it. So, what did you do? How did you, how did you defeat Dracula? Well, no, it was really cool actually. Like, because yeah. I had this stick of rock. What? And like, a stick it was of this big. It, it's the biggest stick of rock that like anyone had ever seen. What do you so you mean? And, you mean like what? Like a stalactite or like a bit of granite? Like no, no, like 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 rock that you eat, obviously. Um, and like, oh, oh. and like, I had to hide it down my trouser leg from the teachers, and what? no one, no one knew don't, I had don't it. Don't tell me that. Yeah. That's weird. No. <laughs> yeah. um, oh my but, God. Uh, like, so, so what? You've got this stick of rock, right? What, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. What do you do with that then? Well, you know, I just like I had it in my bed, and I just you know because we had to stay awake, to, you know, to 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 find out what was happening. So I just sucked on this stick of rock for hours. It was great. That's gross, but okay, yeah. Yeah, and then it got like this really good point on it. Like it was really, it was really pointy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was really, it was really impressive. Yeah, but how, how, um, how on earth did that help you defeat Dracula? Well, like obviously, you know, to, to defeat Dracula, you have to you have to put a, a stake a stake through his heart. Everyone knows that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but that's a, a stick of rock's not a stake, is it? It's a stick of rock. Well, it's a pointy stick of rock. Oh, no, no, so, come so, on, that's a nonsense, Gary. You're telling me porky well, well, pies. Well, excuse me, excuse me. I'm the one who beat the actual Dracula, so <laughs> well, I, I don't know say, who you are. Yeah, I don't well, know who okay, I'm even talking yeah, to. I'm but I'm library and I have a podcast. But like, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what that is. It's well, 1989, you're, you're, you're so... You're in, in the 80s. Well, listening, do you like Madonna? You like Madonna, Gary? Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah, she's fit in it. Um, come on, uh, come on, man! Look, <laughs> you, you get off my podcast, mate. You, come All on, right. you, come on here. You tell lies about defeating Dracula with a stick of rock. Um, you know, bog off, Adam. Bog off. Can we come off, please, Ren? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, bye, Gary. Well, um, yeah. I think that's why you don't. That's why you don't have children on the podcast. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Thank. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, um, I've got. I've got a list of spooky ideas. I don't really understand how uh-huh. they're ideas. So it's got loads of extra. It says spooky ideas in Comic Sans, and then it's got like half a dozen exclamation marks, and then lots of little um, clip art pictures of ghosts. And then mm-hmm. it, it, it says haunted house, hotel, churchyard, hospital, old school, street, cathedral, cemetery, ghosts, friends, family, children, <laughs> monsters, creatures, animals, well, poltergeist. Um, uh, what? 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 Pretty spooky. <laughs> what are we doing with all these things? <laughs> all, I don't know. They're spooky. They're spooky ideas. Ooh, your family. <laughs> I, I guess you might sort of take them like, oh, what if it was your family and they're in hospital, um, and that they they were dying, so they were going to end up in the churchyard. Oh, pretty spooky. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, what what about if there was a street and on on that street 
was some animals. And yeah. um, the animals ran a hotel. Mm. Um, a hotel for monsters. Oh. <laughs> Pretty spooky. Um, uh, you can write a news report. I don't think I'm I don't think we have time to do that. Um, okay. So um, yeah, that's that's the lesson, really. Um, I don't. Nice. I mean, I guess the kids kind of, you know, learn how to distinguish spooky things from not spooky things, uh, which is a pretty important life skill. It is, yeah. Um, and one we're hoping to cultivate through this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, kids, if 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 you're listening, kids. And uh, your teacher says, why haven't you done your homework? You can say, I was actually educating myself as an autodidact mm. through listening to Still Scared <laughs> podcasts. And I learned more than that than I could from any book learning from you. Uh, if you mm. get in trouble, um, you know, that's on you, not us. <laughs> <laughs> right, ni- uh, Nightmare Stairs. N- nightmare Stairs, Nightmare Stairs. Okay. <laughs> um, so more of a th- more of a thriller. More of a thriller. Yeah. Um, it's with some supernatural touches. Yeah. Um, uh, it's from 1997, so we're zipping forward almost a decade. Um, with another 13-year-old girl protagonist, uh, Kirsty Miller. Uh, it's kind of a reincarnation murder mystery. Yeah. Uh, so um, ever since Kirsty was a baby, she's had uh, reoccurring dreams about falling downstairs she knows details from the past um, and from her mum's past and there's there's no way she could know these things, but she does. Do you want to read the description of the nightmare? It's on page 24. Page 24. Okay, yeah. I'm in the dark at the top of the stairs. Steep, narrow stairs. I have to get myself down these stairs, but there's something wrong with my legs. They're stiff. It hurts me to walk. I'm standing there, sort of gathering myself to make the effort, when I see movement out of the corner of my eye. Somebody, or something, comes out of the spare bedroom, fast and quiet. I don't even have time to feel scared. Whoever, or whatever it is, puts a hand or paw in the middle of my back and shoves, and I topple forward, crashing down the stairs in a chaos of terror, shock and pain. I never hit the bottom. I wake up damp and shaking. For a short time I can actually feel the pain, hear the crashing round my falling body makes. I lie gasping, knowing that if I ever reach the foot of the stairs asleep, I'll never wake. Mm. Nightmare stairs! Nightmare stairs! Um, yeah, she sort of works out eventually. The reason that she knows these things is because she's the reincarnation of her grandmother, and the reason she dreams about falling downstairs is because that's how her grandma died. And that contrary to the family story, uh, she didn't fall, she was pushed. So the story is kind of about Kirsty trying to work out who killed her former self. Uh, and the obvious candidate is her mean Aunt Anne. Because she's, because she's mean. <laughs> she, she's, she, she's such a meanie. <laughs> Which is basically um, Kirsty's only evidence. <laughs> oh, like, my aunt, sometimes like someone wants to get into a parking space and my aunt will deliberately take a really long time uh, to vacate the parking space. So, QED, she's a murderer. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just thought she was a bit presumptive, to be honest. Do, do you think, is this your claim of the week? Yeah, okay. This Kirsty. is Kirsty. <clears throat> oh my God, what was that? Um, <laughs> do some Mr. Bean voice. Claim of the week. <laughs> I'm not above silly voices, Ren. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Like, just, mm. oh yeah, aunt, you're a murderer. Like, I don't have any evidence at all, but I've got this <laughs> intuition, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she sort of sets out to scare Anne into confessing by kind of sending her creepy post. Um, Lots of threatening letters, basically. It's threatening letters, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> including, um, she's a, a very uh, nostalgic trip down memory lane. She, uh, she, it doesn't mention it by name, but she uses Encarta. <laughs> Um, which was an encyclopedia CD-ROM that I used to do my primary school homework on. Uh, Is um, that, that the one with Mind Maze on it? Uh, I don't know. Oh. It just had like, it, it was like an encyclopedia, but it was on your computer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she finds a photo of an Egyptian mummy and uh, prints that out and sends that to Anne with the caption, Mummy's back, I think it's... <laughs> Yes, she's very pleased with it. <laughs> yeah, um. she is. <laughs> I quite like the fact that as she kind of points out, like, yeah, this was really good. I was really pleased with this. I sent this one first because you know, what's a threatening letter without a bad pun in it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, if any um, of my family members are ever kidnapped, I'll be yeah. really disappointed if the letter they send doesn't have a pun or two. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't have terribly much to say about this. No, um, I mean, look. it's quite zippy, which is the word you use yes. to describe room 13. It, you know, it paces along quite nicely. Um, mm. and it does have a, a twist in its tail. I don't know if we should reveal it or not. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think we should. Okay, so it's so. Do you want to say? Yeah. Um, so, so it turns out that Anne was not the one who pushed her mother down the stairs. It was Kirsty's mother. Um, so uh, the mean, childless, career-driven woman is not, in fact, the murderer. It is the seemingly kind maternal figure. Um, yeah. And I, I actually <laughs> quite, I quite like this as a kind of mm. exploration of cognitive dissonance I suppose or um, I guess selective bias because you know throughout, throughout most of the book when she thinks it's her Aunt Anne you know she says you know she's a monster she's a complete 100% a villain you know she should be locked away for life mm -hmm. she's absolutely evil and then you know when it turns out to be her mum she suddenly wants to make excuses for her and, say, and, and, and says well I still love her and you know I'm sure she had her reasons she's not bad really uh huh which, yeah, I thought was quite, you know, perceptive. And um, I don't know yeah. how many kids would sort of pick up on that, but I thought that was quite a useful message, I guess. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, she does a very quick uh, turnabout in her thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
to like oh well she didn't you know she didn't mean to to, to push her down the stairs you know she just yeah and of course it wasn't premeditated she just snapped yeah and, yeah. and of course you've got the strange situation that uh, she has been murdered by her own mother in a past life who is also her daughter yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, back to the future like sort of scenario hmm Yeah. So, uh, do you have any further thoughts? About um, not, not, not really. I mean, I say these two were a bit kind of lighter in tone than the ones I'd read as a kid, but they still do have this sense of dread to them that um, mm. I think it's very good at building up a sense of dark things going on. And there's something kind of conspiratorial about the tone of these books. Mm. Uh, like you know I guess they do tend towards thriller in as much as characters are often trying to work out uh, what's happening and what's going on um, and yeah no I mean they definitely kept me reading like, I never felt bored reading them um, yeah yeah um, so no I, I, I generally I think I quite like Swindles uh, and he's great at book titles like he's released a mm. lot and I think if I could just read out some of the titles Oh yeah, um, like, like, like uh, there, there's almost like reading through uh, the titles of a video nasties list, you know, because some of these guys are so kind of suggestive. Um, so, so I'm just going to read out a few of them because he has written a lot. But starting in the early 1970s, we have "When Darkness Comes," "Voyage to Valhalla," "World Eater," "The Thousand Eyes of Night," "A Serpent's Tooth." Follow a Shadow, Unbeliever, The Last Bus, Smash, Abomination, Doodlebug Alley, Wrecked, Blitzed, Branded, Snakebite, Burnout, The Tunnel, and A Skull in Shadows Lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely be happy to come back to some swindles uh, yeah, at some point. Yeah, cool, same here. Yeah. Uh, do you have a sign-off? Oh, um... Oh, no, I'll do the okay, credits yeah. and give you a moment to think. <laughs> um, our intro music is by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music is by Joe Kelly. Artwork's by Letty Wilson. Uh, you can find details and links to their work, various kinds, in the show notes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at StillScaredPod or email us at StillScaredPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. Um, goodbye, spooky kids. And if you have a nightmare, don't get too stared. Like, <laughs> nightmare stares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, See you next time. It, it's the pun I'm going to put in my threatening letter, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Till next time. Bye. Bye.